personality. I love your smile, brother. All right. Well, welcome to Garfield Ridge Baptist Church again, uh, August 27, 2023. Let's stand together as we sing our first song, Abide With Me, page number 106, Abide With Me. Verse number one. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness defends. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee. begin with a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful to be in your house with your people. Lord, how what an excitement it is, Lord, to know that you're here with us. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in your name, there will you be also. And Lord, I thank you so much. Lord, we might live in a day and age where people deny the existence of God, deny that Jesus Christ is God, and deny, Lord, that you are working in the lives of men. But that doesn't change the fact that you are still doing all those things. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ, Lord, that they come to know him today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. While you're taking your seats, you can go ahead and turn to page number 124. God will take care of you. Page number 
I hear that song, I once looked at a, a joke, and it was a husband and a wife. They had been fighting, and uh, the husband goes to the wife, and he says, Honey, are we okay? And she says, Well, yes. He says, Then why do you keep yelling, God will take care of you, okay? And I thought that was kind of funny. Sometimes we get into some fights, but really, the truth is, is God is what we need to be thinking about, what God wants us to do. So I hope you enjoyed our, your week this week. I hope God has been a part of it. As far as announcements are concerned, September 3rd is our potluck and game night. Again, uh, this is our fellowship. My sister Andrea, she's not here today, but she is my big Scrabble partner. She's not even going to be here for that. So Sister Lene is going to have to pitch in. Uh, but again, we had a great time yesterday. All those that came and were a part of the uh, paint and praise, we had a wonderful time. Enjoyed the fellowship. All the ladies came. None of those guys came. I was sitting here all alone. I was looking for Sam, looking for Tony. Nobody was here. And so I kind of had to sit there all by. No, I'm just kidding. It was a good time. And I could use my technical support to help folks. So uh, it was a good time. They painted some fantastic things. Dee, I didn't know she had such a talent. Her daughter, too. Wow. We went away, and I thought, man, I tell you what, we're dealing with some uh, royalty when it comes to art, art, artistry. So, again, thank you for all those that were a part of that. Uh, and then September 4th, I'm sorry, September 3rd also, Pastor, our brother Barker, I should say, he is uh, our evangelist that comes up periodically. He will be preaching uh, the day before uh, Labor Day weekend. So, again, uh, we, we invite you to be a part of that. He is always a blessing to people that come. He's always about Bible memorization. If you don't know your Bible, listen, there's, it's coming a day when you're not going to have a Bible. Uh, they might take it away. Believe it or not, and there are some countries today, Romania is like that. At one time, Romania, I had a time where they took, got rid of the Bibles. And there are some places like China where they won't let you have a Bible. And it's uh, actually they... Cassie and I have listened to some podcasts and some stories online about China, and we heard that if they get caught carrying the Word of God, it's three years in prison, mandatory. And uh, it's an amazing thing. You should value your Bible, and you know the best way to value it is memorize it. Have it in your heart. I was just talking to Brother Tony this morning, and we were talking about the idea of how can a man cleanse his way, as the psalm says in Psalm 119. It says, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. The Bible says, with my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Lastly, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Really, the best way to keep yourself clean from the world is to memorize God's word. September 4th, again, we're inviting everyone to be a part of our uh, Labor Day celebration at my house in Portage, Indiana. And that'll start at 1 p.m. And, uh, and then also September 16th is the wedding. Does it feel like it's right around the corner? Does it? Are you a little nervous? Tony's going, yeah, yeah. Uh, but please be a part of that. We're going to have a uh, enjoy their, their wedding, Tony and Sabrina's wedding. There is a sign-up sheet in the back so we can know how many people we need to prepare food for. And then lastly but not least, if you have a young person in here, I'm looking at you, Olivia. We have the Menominee Falls registration, and that's $95 until September 11th and $115 after September 11th. So those are the two things that we have. All right, well, I guess at this time, we have to give out some pins because I have some birthdays. Um, Tony, come on up here, brother. Tony's turning, um, he's turning 19, is that correct? That's what he was telling me before. I didn't know if he was correct or not. And then we also have uh, an anniversary to celebrate. Uh, what was Juanita here? 
Oh, Sam, you're just going to have to come up here and celebrate it anyway. Let's just give it a second. We're going to sing happy birthday first to Tony. All right, here we go. Ready? Happy Happy anniversary. What do you think happy birthday's over with? You know? How many years has it been, brother? Twelve years. Well, we'll be praying for Sister Juanita. Let's sing happy anniversary to Brother Sam and Miss Juanita. Ready? Happy anniversary to you. society today, but listen, God made it one man, one woman, okay, and we're going to continue to celebrate that. Uh, well, as far as announcements are concerned, we're about, we're over with everything, so let's stand together, and we're going to turn our hymn books to page number 230, and we're going to sing Heavenly Sunlight. Now, we're going through the first verse in the chorus, and then we're going to go ahead and shake hands, so shake hands with the person next to you, page number 230. Walking in sun.
is there something about it whenever you shake someone's hand that you kind of always get away with a smiling face. If you're not smiling, I'm going to say, why? Uh, but uh, again, it's good to see you folks all excited to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, we got one more song. Let's go ahead and turn to page number 136. Oh, I am so sorry. I have a special today. I forgot about it. a real wonderful special. Uh, Adeline, come and play your, your violin. I tried playing the guitar once. It didn't end well. But I am thankful that my daughter has decided to take up violin. Violin is one of the most beautiful instruments, sounding instruments, if it's played right. And believe me, there's a few times when Adeline's practicing, there's some practicing, there's some screeching going on. I've got to put something in the ears, you know? But she's doing a great job. Congratulations, Adeline, for being a part of the, the ministry, music ministry here. All right, you ready? Let's stand together as we sing page number 136, Master the Tempest Raising. One of my favorite songs. Look at the dynamics of the song as you're singing it. Dynamics. Go to the chorus. You can see right above the, the, 
the bars, you see a P, and so you see a double P. And then you also see a F, and then you see a double F. All right, you, my, my piano major here. What is a P? What does it stand for? And what does that mean? Soft. All right, good job. Then, does somebody else take piano in here besides Chloe? All right. Samantha, do you know what the F stands for? What's that? Louder, do you know what it stands for, though? Uh, I saw mom pointing. Do you know? Carly? Forte, yes. All right, so forte means loud. So if you see more than one soft, you get softer. And if you see more than one forte or F, it gets louder, all right? And then you see one more thing I want you to look at. It says G-R-A-D-C-R-E-S-C. That means gradual crescendo. It means it's gradually getting louder, okay? Does everybody understand now? Maybe you're still saying, Pastor, I'm confused. It's all get out. That's all right. You just sing along. Here we go. Verse number two. Master with... Hold on. Go ahead. Let's start again. Ready? Master with anguish of spirit, I bow in my grief today. The depths of my sad heart are troubled. Awaken and save, I pray. Torrents of sin and of anguish, sweet for my sinking souls. And I perish, I perish, dear master. Oh, haste and take control. Here we go, folks. Ready? The winds and the waves shall obey my will. Peace be still. Whether the wrath of the storm tossed sea, or demons, or men, or whatever it be, no water can swallow. Verse number three. Master, the terror is over. Thy elements sweetly rest. Her son in the calm lake is mirrored, and heaven's within my breast. Linger, oh blessed
ask that you folks can be seated. If you're part of Sister Lene's Sunday School class, you can go ahead and go downstairs. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. I love that song. If you know what that song is about, it's basically when the disciples were out in the water, they were dealing with the idea of a storm. And what happened during that storm? Jesus took care of it, didn't he? Master, the tempest is raging. Oof, I just get chills thinking about it. Um, but First John chapter 2 is what we're going to talk about today. How many of our folks are going back to school? I see. Uh, Caleb, you got, you got school coming up? Yeah? Are you ready for it? No? You want to go back? These girls, they're excited. You know, you know how it is when you first get the, all those school books ready? I see uh, Carly back there. She's going to be going overseas. and She's probably thinking of all the fun things that's going to happen. But then it's going to hit her. I have to do schooling. Ugh. You know, I got to go back and do schooling. And, you know, you always have some type of test that you have to take. And I remember I'm not really a big fan of taking tests. And periodically in my line of work, I have to take tests to be able to prove that I know how to work on a certain product. And so I'll take that test. And thankfully, a lot of them are open book tests. Uh, it doesn't help you much, but it's an open book test. And you kind of have to look, look through the pages and get the right type of answers. Uh, but this test is something different. The test that we're going to talk about today is the three, three tests of Christian fellowship. The three tests of Christian fellowship. First John is a book that um, I believe, uh, I almost forgot my notes. Let me make sure I get these up here. Uh, he's one of the uh, most interesting, influential writers that I've found in the New Testament besides Apostle Paul. Can somebody tell me what books that John wrote? Anybody know? She is so smart. Give her a sticker. I tell you what. Uh, anybody else? Revelation. Good job. Anybody else? Gospel of John. All right. So you say, Pastor, what's the difference between the Gospel of John? You can always call it the Gospel of John and the Epistle, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So if you're asking someone, which John are you talking about? The best way is to say the Epistle of John. Now, John, what do we know about John? What happened to him? By uh, some traditions say... What did they do? He died of old age. But before that, what did they do to him, Sister Kim? Before, before that, what did they do to him? They boiled him in hot oil and didn't die. I can't imagine what he looked like after he got burned in hot oil. I've been in hot oil before, um, just a little bit on my finger, and it's not pleasant. And you get all kinds of blisters. And you get all kinds of problems. But here we find John. He's probably, um, we don't know exactly where he was at when he wrote, wrote this. But we do know this, that John was a man uh, that was given over wholly to God. He had a desire to serve God. He loved God. He wanted to do God's will. And he had no, uh, he had no holding back. I've been reading this book recently by, um, um, man, now it's not working. Go back to the, here we go, one more, maybe third, third time's a turn. Yes, yes, yes. John, I read a book called Absolute Surrender. One of the things I found about being absolutely surrendered is meaning that you're not holding anything back. And John was one of those men who did not hold anything back. He was always going forward with what God wanted to do. So we're going to read 1 John, and then we're actually going to do 1 John 1 and 1 John 2. But we find here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Verse 2, For the life was manifest that we seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, 
which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that we also may have fellowship with us and that truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full, walking in the light. That is the next title. This then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with them and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask you to please be with this message, Lord. I know that I am uh, a man of faulty speech. I know I stutter. I know I don't always have the best English. But, Lord, I ask through your grace, Lord, that you'd uh, help these hearers here be able to hear. And, Lord, through that they would become not just hearers but doers of the word. I also ask you, Heavenly Father, that you would just please bless the time that we have together. Thank you for the sweet fellowship that I have with these folks. Thank you for their encouragement and their love. And Lord, I pray that I would be an encouragement to them today as well. In Jesus' name, amen. John, as I mentioned, was the apostle uh, of Apostle of Christ. We know that he was one that wrote the three epistles, the book of Revelation and the gospel of John, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we also know that this was written to possibly to uh, the folks in Asia Minor or Turkey. So we got to go for, first of all. I want to kind of introduce the gospels of or the epistles of John. There's three different ways that we find, or five different things that this epistle was wrote, written for. That the first epistle was written for, and that is first of all that we may have fellowship. If you turn the Bibles to First John one three, we find the scripture that says, "For I rejoice greatly." Hold on, I'm in the wrong passage. First John one and verse three, the Bible says. That which we have seen and heard and declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, what is fellowship? Fellowship is the idea of spending time with someone. Uh, Brother Tony got to spend time with his aunt yesterday. Hallelujah. It was fun, right? Got to spend some time with somebody you haven't known. Uh, for a, I mean, you've known for a long time but haven't seen for a, a long time. You know, a fellowship is that ability to talk to someone. The Bible says, can two walk together except they agree? It's very hard to have fellowship with someone who you don't agree with. Uh, many times we see that today in modern politics. That they're like oil and water. They don't mix. And so you've got one side that believes one thing and the other side believes the other. And before long, guess what? They're at each other's throats. But if we're truly going to have fellowship with Christ, we need to be in agreement. Number two, the second reason this first epistle was written of 1 John is that in verse 4, we find, And these things write me unto you, that your joy may be full. How many have joy that's full today? All right, maybe some of you don't. I, I don't know, man, no smiling faces. I hope so. Uh, joy should be full. Listen, you say, what? What do you mean, Pastor? What is my joy? The Bible says, return, and David says, return unto me the joy of my salvation. Did you know your salvation should bring you joy? You say, Pastor, well, you don't understand. Today, I lost my job. My dog died. Uh, and uh, I, I found out that uh, 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 something else happened. And, and my wife got mad at me. And I walked out the door. And 
my kids are, are doing things that are not good, and how can I have joy? Well, the great thing is the Bible says God gives us peace that passes all understanding. First John was trying to explain to us the importance of having joy. He wanted your joy to be full. Number three, we find in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The third reason that the first John was written was to what? Help us from sinning. How many would like to do less sinning today? Ah, see, I like I got a lot of hands on that one. That's great. But you know, the truth is, is we don't like sin, do we? We think about sin. You know, I recently have been trying to get myself on the right track. I waste time like there's no, no nobody's business. Uh, a lot of times I'll go around and, and uh, I have a problem with Facebook. And uh, I'll get on Facebook and I would spend uh, lots of time. So I've said, okay, Lord, I need to get back where I need to be. So I got off Facebook. It's interesting how much time I could find. But it's interesting. We have lots of things that are quirks in our, our life. And I'm just talking about time wasting, but there could be deeper sins. And everybody doesn't want to deal with it. The alcoholic, they don't want to continue drinking, but they have to. Uh, the druggie, when they're addicted, boy, listen to me. They, they don't want to continue down that path, but they, their, their, their flesh tells them to. And so you find here in 1 John, he's saying, listen, I'm going to give you some ability to stop sinning. And then we find 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. There was an idea that they were to overcome error. It says, these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. We have a society that is, as I mentioned, Facebook already, all kinds of opinions out there. There's all kinds of attractive uh, people that are putting out attractive ideas that someone might say, hey, that's a great idea. And when it comes to the end, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof is a way of death. Talked to a man yesterday. Pray for him. His name's Jesse. I was out uh, door knocking. I could not get one person to come to the door. And I, I mean, we docked on probably a good 25, 30 doors. I think I got there out there too late. But as I was knocking on the doors, ran into this guy. I'm like, I was hungry to talk to someone. I was sick of my knuckles were starting to get sore. And so I went and talked to Jesse. And I said, Jesse, how you doing? We started going over things. He, he was all over the map. He was saying that God committed genocide. And and that he, when he had the flood and all kinds of good stuff. And, and so I'm sitting there trying to explain to him some of these things. And I said, listen, uh, I need you to understand. Do you know what sin is? And he looked at me and he says, well, sin is when you do something wrong against someone else. I said, you're wrong. Sin is when you do something wrong against God. Many times people today are seduced by these ideas. And this boy had so, so many philosophies. I don't think he could keep them straight. He was constantly going all over the map. You know, it's funny. We can have a whole internet full of ideas and none of them could be good. But we find here that John was trying to teach these people, listen, uh, there are those that are going to seduce you and we want to keep you on the right track. Then we find the last thing that, God, that John gives and that is that we have full assurance. How many know Jesus Christ today? Raise your hand. You have full assurance of Jesus Christ. Praise God. See a room full of hands. The Bible says in 1 John, Chapter 5 and verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. What a wonderful thing. Uh, my dad used to say this when he'd go out preaching. He says, do you have a no-so salvation, or do you have a hope-so salvation? And it's amazing. Some people say, well, I hope I go to heaven. I hope that I know Jesus Christ. Listen, you can know without a shadow of doubt that Christ is your Lord. 
And listen, you can know without a shadow of doubt that he is your personal Savior. We had a man come in here just recently, and he was talking to me, and he was saying, do you believe that you're once saved, you're always saved? I said, yes. You don't? And he says, no, no, no. I, I believe that you can uh, sin, the sin that's going to stop you from sinning or from, from going to heaven. I says, well, I'm so glad that's not the case in my, what my Bible teaches me. The Bible says that no man can fuck enough. And you know what? I'm thankful for that assurance. I would be a mess if I had to keep walking the line because guess what? I'm a sinner, as we find, we'll find out later in 1 John. I make mistakes, and I'm thankful that God realized that I'm still a sinner and I don't have that perfect body yet. Someday I will, folks. I'm striving for the mastery, amen. I'm not doing, uh, I'm doing as Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Listen, I'm striving for what God wants me to do, and I'm listening to him. But guess what? The Bible says that if a man say he has no sin, he what? Deceives himself, as we read here. The truth is not in him. The Bible gives us some clear definition here of what 1 John. But we're actually going to concentrate on the first two chapters of John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 is where we're going to start. The, the contrast is to deal with fellowship. And John gives us three tests of true fellowship, Christian fellowship. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, we find if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, I want you to notice something in these verses. There's a difference between saying and living. We have a whole host of people that say, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ, but they don't live it. Uh, they are not a doer of the word. Verse, verse 8 says, if we say that we have not no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in it. In verse 4, or two, uh, 1 John 2, 4 through 6, we find the difference. He says, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his, his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we are in him. He that saith, he abideth him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he, what? Walked. What an amazing understanding. If you're truly in Christ and Christ is in you, listen, you're going to find yourself walking with him. You know, they talk a lot about liars. You ever get called a liar before? I used to have this guy that I go candy selling with. And as a kid, we would go to these businesses door to door and we would sell candy. And it was for our school. And so we would do it. And they had a good, huge production. I think there was one year we did over $500,000 for the school for that year. And we would go to the door, and I had this great spiel. I'd get up there and say, hello, sir, my name is Harold Teasdale. I'm with uh, Fairhaven Baptist Academy, and here I am. I'm, I just want to tell you a little bit about our school program. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to raise money for our sports and band equipment. And he would always, this kid was always the goofball. You know, you never had anybody like that, Tony, did you? Always the goofball. He would walk in there, and we would, we would, uh, we would get to the uh, front, and, and I would stand there, and he would be making all kinds of comments behind me as I'm speaking. And then I'd say, you know, sir, I actually play the baritone, and I actually wrestle and play soccer. And he'd go, liar, real loud. Or he'd turn around and he'd go, bragger, real loud, as I'm doing that. Other people are like, what's he talking about? You know, it's no fun to be called a liar. Nobody likes to be called a liar. Why? Because it kind of is a reproach to your name, isn't it? 
But listen, the Bible tells us that if we walk around like we don't uh, have any sin, the Bible says that we are a what? Liar. If we say, hey, look at me, I'm a, I'm a good person. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. If you think your righteousness is good, well, you should go to Isaiah where he says it's worse, it's as bad as filthy rags your righteousness is. You should go to Romans chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, For all have done what? Sin. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's all these verses that what? Reflect to the idea that everyone here is a sinner. And I was sitting with Jesse yesterday and I was explaining to him this. And I was saying, listen, you're a sinner, Jesse. I'm a sinner. CJ and Jonathan were with me, the young, young men. I said, listen, they're sinners. Nobody can get into this world without having the nature of sin. Listen, God wants us to understand something. We are sinners. We cannot get away with the idea that we are not sinners. We are people who are, who are completely flawed. The Bible explains, and we find some more things about this in 1 John. But here we go on. He also explains that Christ was a real person. One of the things that uh, Paul was, or, uh, John was dealing with was some people were saying that Christ was never real. You were telling me that, weren't you? What was that uh, 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 black Hebrew Israelite, right? He was telling you that Jesus is not real. Made up. The Bible says in Luke chapter 24 and verse 39, it says, Behold my hands and my feet, that is, I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and blown, uh, bones as ye, have see, as ye see me have. He's looking. He says, listen, John was there on that day when Jesus Christ says, Hey, feel it. Feel it. This is me. Fill my flesh. Fill my bones. This is not a spirit. And we also find John was speaking in these first chapters with, about false teachers. We find the false teachers of John's day were denying that Jesus Christ had come in the flesh. And he was speaking from real experiences. It says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 20. It says, For we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. You ever, ever had someone tell you something? And they says, I was there when it happened. I had this kid. His name was Tim Fitzhands. Chance was someone that could he could sell a lie better than I could sell the truth. And he would get up there and he would tell me things. He told me one time, I was sixth grade, I was pretty gullible at the time. He told me that he went to Universal Studios and he climbed up King Kong. I said, What? Really? I come home, mom, you won't believe what Tim Fitzhands did. Next day I come back and I had to believe everything he said because he literally brought back. His parents had served in the in the service and uh, Tim Fitzhands went overseas in Germany during the time when they tore down the wall. And he actually brought back some of the cement from that wall. I was so impressed. From that point forward, Tim Fitzhands was the best. He was my hero. But you know, the truth is, is that when you see something, it's very hard for someone to deny that. They say seeing is believing. Is that not correct? And someone says something, they see something, they can't but just say, no, it's not true. That's how people go crazy. They've seen something that nobody else sees, and they keep explaining, yes, I did see it, yes, I did see it. No, you didn't see that. Yes, I did. I saw a clip the other day on, on uh, YouTube, uh, but basically this, this lady was losing her mind on the plane. And she's going, she's at the very front of the plane, she's got all these expletives, and she goes, that person back there is not real. And I thought, oh, man. You know? And here are these people, they, they were explaining to them that Jesus Christ was real. 
Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. Jesus Christ, who he says he was, explains also in this first chapter that Christ was manifest to reveal God, to make our fellowship with him. So we find some verses, 1 John 3, verse 5. The Bible says, and you know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. 1 John 3, 8. He that commanded sin is of the devil, for the devil sent us from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Then we also find 1 John 4, 9. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. So what does this all come down to? Paul or John is speaking to these folks in Turkey or Asia Minor, and he's saying, listen, I want you to understand Jesus Christ is the reason we can have fellowship with God today. You know, without Jesus Christ, we have nothing. As I was talking to Jesse, I'm sorry I used the illustration, but he was the only person I could talk to yesterday. <laughs> he says, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Christ. Listen, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. Christ's very words. So first of all, we're going to talk about the first test of Christian fellowship, and that is the test of obedience. Turn your Bibles to first, uh, first John chapter 1, verse 5. That's where we begin. Uh, we're going to read quite a few here. Um, I apologize for the lengthy, lengthiness of it, but it's helpful to understand. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have no fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you, in chapter 2, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he, that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he is walked. Now we've read some of these scriptures already, but what I want you to understand, to obey him is to walk with him. To obey him is not to disobey and walk in darkness. To obey him is to keep in mind that fellowship that is a matter of light and darkness. Sonship, as we already are, should be, if we're already saved in here, we're already sons and daughters of God, it is a matter of life and death. But as far as fellowship is concerned, that means after you're saved and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, that next step is to continue having fellowship with Christ. You say, what is important with fellowship in Christ? That is the basics of your Christian life. That is the basics of having a love for God. That is the basics for loving your Christian brother. It is the basics for your church. It's the basics for everything. And if you forget the fellowship with God, everything else will be upended. You say, how can a Christian brother and a Christian sister who are married end up in a bad situation where they don't love each other, it's because they're not looking to Christ. 
I can guarantee you this. The person who is having problems with a brother or sister in Christ is because they are literally not spending time in the word, engrossing themselves, and encircling themselves with the love of God in their heart. Too many people think, well, you know, I can just do this Christian life. I just got to get up every day and be a nice person and do the right thing. Listen, that's the flesh. God is light. Satan is the prince of darkness. As I talked to the young man yesterday, I was dealing with the idea that Jesus Christ, you're either serving God or you're serving Satan. And here's a verse that I want you to understand. Luke chapter 22 and verse 53. He is the prince of darkness. When I was daily with you in the temple, he, he stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. What was he saying? Listen, God was going to give Satan an opportunity. You can do what you want to me. You can try to destroy me. Well, what did Jesus say? In three days, I will build it back up, right? Jesus Christ loved uh, uh, us. He died for us. But listen, as Christians, we need to remember that we are servants of him. We are to live for him. There are four different liars here that we find in first or second John chapter 2. Or first John chapter 2. The Bible says, verses 6 and 7, He say that he that abideth in him also so to walk even as he walked. Brother, I'm sorry, verse, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. So the first liar that we find here is in verses 6 and 7, lying about our fellowship. Listen, you might have come to church this morning, someone brought you, or someone, uh, or maybe you came on your own and you don't know Christ. You can tell me all day long that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You might even pray to prayer. But the truth is, is that if you have no fellowship with God, what do you have? You are not saved. The Bible says very clearly that we have to have fellowship. There are those in here in verse 6 and 7 says, if we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, I will say there are some that get saved and God works in their heart and they have a relationship with him for a temporary time. But if you can say with all sincerity that there has not been one time in your life after salvation or confessing to Jesus Christ that he is God, that you've actually spoke to him or spent time with him or been in his word or prayed to him. I'd have to say you have no fellowship with him. You that are Christians here, listen to me. Are you accused of being a liar? Are you saying you're a Christian, but yet you're not walking by faith? You're not spending time with him? Secondly, not only do we find those that lie about their fellowship, but verse 8, we find if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. What is the second liar that we find? Lying about our nature, saying we have no sin. Boy, this is one of the biggest problems I see in Christianity today. People don't want to ever confess, I make mistakes. Preachers today, they're so proud, they can't even say, listen, church, could you pray for me on this? I'm struggling. Why? Because it's going to take away from their leadership. I have to say that really... Everyone should, the Bible says, cast, cast me your cares upon him for he careth for you. But it also tells us what? That we should what? Share our faults one with another. 
there is times that we need to get, be humbled. You know, whenever I started getting that haughty spirit, that attitude of thinking, boy, I don't do anything wrong. God always does something to get my attention and humble me. You folks probably have the same experience, right? Well, look at me. You know, maybe you're good at your job. You say, well, look at my job. And then you make the biggest mistake anybody can make. The other day, I was working on these machines. and Very basic thing I had to have. I had the machine completely put back together. And as I was getting it put back together, I get on the phone and says, hey, I'm wrapping this up. Is there anything you need me to do with this? He's like, well, yeah, you need to cleanse the to clean the lenses. And these lenses, this is not just your normal glass lens. This is like intense. This is like thousands of dollars worth of lenses. I don't know. Glasses are probably about thousands of dollars, so maybe it's more than that. I don't know. But to replace them would be very expensive. And so I got into my pack and I pulled out my Zeiss wipes, you know, the ones that you could buy at Walmart. And they told me in training, they said, listen, you can't use those. You need to, well, they didn't really say that, but they basically told me which one I should use. They're called Chemtech wipes. And so I grabbed my Zeiss wipes and I'm already using them. I said, what do you have there? Of course, they had a video and they were looking at me and I said, uh, Zeiss wipes? And he goes, you can't use that. That'll scratch the lens. I thought, that's so bizarre. Not only was I in, I can't even pronounce the name. It starts with an O. It's one of those Indian names in Wisconsin. Walk or something like that. I'm two and a half, almost three hours away. And I looked everywhere. I looked at Walmart. I looked at Advance Auto. I looked anywhere that would carry these wipes. And nobody had these wipes. So literally, I have to go back on Monday and I have to go take care of this problem that I created. I have to travel another three hours there, take the machine back apart, and clean the lenses all because I made a stupid mistake. I'm using something as silly and trivial as working on a piece of equipment. But the truth is, is when we look at our own spiritual nature, God wants us to remember that we are sinners. Don't lie about it. Be honest. Say, you know what? I make mistakes. I, I tell people all the time. I walked up to a door the other uh, a couple weeks ago and knocked on the door and the guy says hi. He says, do you know for sure if you were dying today you'd go to heaven? He says, no. I says, why not? He says, because I'm a I'm a horrible person. I'm a sinner. I said, well, good. We have something in common. Christian, listen to me. Don't be deceived. Don't be a liar. We find the third liar here. Number three, we're lying about our deeds. Lying about our de deeds, saying we have not sinned. And our fourth liar here is lying about our obedience. We find in verse four through six, it says, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him, oft himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Christian, listen to me. Sad to say that there are many professions Christians who cannot talk about spiritual things, but who do not practice them. They can talk all day long. We can sit down and have a great fellowship, but when it comes down to actually practicing what we preach, I'm going to tell Long Chloe here in a second. So the other, on the way in, she was telling me this story. I thought this is a great application. She was telling me that Nolan, she told Nolan, don't say the word hate. Nolan's my three-and-a-half-year-old, and, a half year old, and he, she was trying to explain it. Hate's bad. It's like trying to kill someone. Do you want to sin? Do you want to do that? 
boy, he, she must have got the message across real well. Because the other day, this morning, Chloe was supposed to take the dog out and didn't. She didn't. She was busy doing getting ready for church. And she goes, oh, I hate taking the dog out. And no one looks at him and goes, Chloe. It's the truth, right? But you know what? Many Christians are like that. You know what? Oh, we should be doing these things. We can harp against abortion. We can harp against uh, sins of adultery or sins of fornication. But when we talk about some of our pet sins, right? Gossip, pride, arrogancy, right? I was talking to someone the other day. They were talking about pride. And I said, you know, it's interesting. The Lord uses the first thing that it says in Psalm or Proverbs, the seven things the Lord hates, the seven are abomination to him. The first word, the first one he uses is a proud look. Well, we're so proud. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in your own flesh and thinking that, boy, I'm okay. You're saved here today. Praise God. But don't get caught up in thinking that it's through your own goodness and through your own righteousness. Because someday you'll stand before the throne and you'll give account of your life. We find here Christians do sin, but this does not mean they must be saved over and over again. As I mentioned earlier, there was a man that came in here, believed that you sin, you'll have to go back and get saved again. Sin in the life of a believer breaks down fellowship, but it does not break down sonship. Now you say, what does that mean, Pastor? You know what, Brooklyn, she makes mistakes all the time, right? She's like, Dad, shh. But you know what? Alan makes mistakes. Chloe makes mistakes, right? They're not perfect. But you, you would say it would be absurd if I would get up and let's say, Chloe, did you take out the dog this morning, right? I said, you know what, Chloe? I'm sick of this. I'm done with you and your antics. I said, get out of my house. You're no longer my daughter. You say, boy, that seems absurd, Pastor. Why would you do that to your daughter? Don't you love her? I absolutely do. But the same thought is going through someone who claims to be the son or daughter of God, and you say, I've committed this one sin, so I can no longer be a son or daughter of God. Listen, as a father, I understand this. As parents, you understand this. Your kids make mistakes and you still love them and you still help them and you still encourage them and you still chastise them and you still discipline and you still train them. You think God's any different? We, he created us in his image. Don't ever think that just because you've done something wrong that you're in the penalty of death. A true Christian always accepted even when he is not acceptable. Bible says, whom he loveth, he what? Chasteneth and scourgeth every son. You going through a hard time? God just saying, come back. I love you. Open arms. I love you. We are saved from the penalty of sin by his death. Romans 5, 6 through 9 tells us. We are saved daily from the power of sin by his life in Romans 5, 10. And literally the word advocate comes from one who pleads a case and is the same as a comforter as we find the Holy Spirit is in John 14, 16. Number two, the test of obedience. Here's a second test, this test of love. Go back to 2 John chapter 2, 
First John chapter 2, verse 7. And this is through 17. We'll read through 11. The Bible says in verse 7, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, that which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. When a person is in fellowship with God, walking in the light, he also walks in, here we go, you ready? Love. Oh, pastor, you're not being one of those lovey-dovey pastors, are you? Well, the truth is, God is a God of love. He's also a God of holiness, and he's a God of righteousness. He doesn't offer sin, but he also loves us. When you get saved and you accept Jesus Christ, one of the first things you'll find is God starts to change your heart about how you treat others. I love some of you guys' testimonies. It's great. I hear how God changed your relationship between you and your spouse. It's wonderful. I love the fact that when God saved you, boy, there's been some great change. And you saw God do some wonderful things with those around you. Listen, that is the, that is the love of God in your hearts. We get saved, there should be something different. It's a basic principle that when Christians are out of fellowship with God, they cannot get along with God's people. And I'd say, even a step further, they have a hard time getting along with anyone. They get so bent out of shape, they're bitter. Right? They, they're, they're walking out the door and they're kicking the dog. And they're yelling at the wife, yelling at the kids. You never see any happiness. You never see any joy. They're always constantly in a state of angst and anger and fear. And so you wonder, what in the world? Where is Jesus Christ in all this? Those who are saved are members of God's family, so we ought to love one another. The Bible even says that if a brother, if you have an ought against a brother, the Bible says to hold back your offering until you take care. There is an important aspect. I've seen people so bitter at someone, they can't look him in the eye. And literally, if they, I heard one guy, he used to be a preacher. He said, he told my dad, he says, if I ever see this guy again, I'll kill him. You say, why is that? The love of God's not going on. You need to check your heart. If you got hatred towards someone, and listen, it's easy. It just takes a few minutes, a few moments of living in the flesh and trying to live according to your life and your lifestyle and someone offends you. And boy, we've been talking about offenses on Thursday nights. And someone offends you, you get so wrapped up in yourself and you get bitter and you get angry. And before long, you're so wrapped up, you can't even think straight. Listen, that's not what the love of God is in your heart. I have to, you say, Pastor, you deal with it? Absolutely. There are times when I have someone who is said odd against me and done wrong against me and I, Satan puts that back in my mind trying to make me bitter again and I have to cry out to God God please help me I need your help help me not to be bitter against this person God changes you to have that love that spirit 
Listen, when you get saved, you have a new family. John 2.12 John says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Like a loving father, John calls the people that are there little children. All of God's children have been forgiven. But as we grow in the Lord, we become adults. Right? And we learn to love. You know, kids don't get it. I've been working with you this week with my children. Bitterness. It's where it starts, really. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I was my kids' age, I was bitter at my sisters. Sister. My brother... He didn't give me room to be bitter. He just beat the snot out of me. And I learned. We just take care of it. You know, guys, they, they, don't, they don't get bitter. They just get better. And then they just beat the snot out of each other, and they're friends for eternity. I'm being honest. I had a best friend like that in high school. He was making fun of me and him and his, this other guy, and I just walked around and went, Blood coming down his nose. After that, I apologized to him. He says, hey. You want to be my friend? Yeah, let's go. We were best friends from that point forward. I'm not saying that's how you should take care of things, but that's how we did it. But you know, it's interesting. I find that many people, they grow up in the Lord. And listen, your kids don't get it. They'll, they'll begin to be bitter and they're angry. You've got to deal with that in their hearts. You wonder why we have a generation of kids who are so bent against God and bent against the church. and bent Because someone offended them. And so the less of their lives, they are... They're held back from the glory of God because of that one person that they hold in their hearts and minds in bitterness. Listen, you've got to teach your kids different. You see that bitter, that, that angry, that green monster poke his head up? You better cry out and say, God, please help them. Because it gets worse. Little children, they don't get it. When they're immature, they just want to hold it against them. But as you grow as to be an adult, in God. Not saying as a, as a human being, but as a person that is in Christ Jesus. You learn to love others. And you begin to work through your own feelings with Christ at the center of it. And you begin to grow and grow and grow. No longer do you stay little children. You become that adult child. And listen, the interesting thing is when adults grow up, and listen, adults know this. You parents know this. When you raise kids, you sacrifice them because you love them. And when you grow up as an adult in the Christian faith, I mean, as saying maybe your age is different than your spiritual age, you become what? An adult. You'll have little children as well. You say, what little children are you talking about? Those that you've witnessed to and brought along. They're like a mother hen with their, with their chicks, right? We had, oh. Some of you heard the story recently. Cassie has got this new venture. She's all about chickens. How many like chickens in here? You people are weird. They're, chickens are nasty. Don't want anything to do with them. But she's got seven chickens, and she told me one day, she said, honey, there is one chicken missing. And I said, good. No, I'm just kidding. She says, she says, there's one chicken. I don't know where it's at. So I was out. 
in Wisconsin the other day, and she goes, she goes, honey, the prodigal chicken has returned. And she goes, I said, really? She said, yeah, I don't, where'd they go? She said, I don't know. Then they go out there, and guess what? Every day, she had escaped the coop, and she had a pile. I mean, how many eggs was it, Kathy? 25 eggs that she had laid, and she was running over them. Those were her little chickens. And she was going to keep those chickens. She was going to make sure that they did what they were going to kept alive. Now, we ate them. Sorry, folks. They were delicious. But the truth is, is when you look at this idea, when you grow up in Christ, you're not just, you know, the pastor's not always trying to put out fires with you. You're the opposite of that. Your love is, hey, can I help you? Can I help you? How can I encourage you? How can I be a blessing to you? You're all about helping the church. And the church is what? Not this building, but the people inside of it. Your love is always there. So we find in 1 John not only do we have a new family, but we also have a third thing that we find here, a new danger. We find in 15 verse, fifteen through 17 in, in verse chapter 2, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. The world passed away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There is always going to be a conflict between you and the Father. There's always going to be a conflict. I'm, I'm really out of time. We find here there's conflict is always developed by a love of something. What is those three specific problems? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. We have true love for the Father. Guess what? You, you'll, you will lose that love for the world. As it says in 1 John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When you start having a love for the things of the world, just like you no longer have the love for yourself and your righteousness and your holiness, you're instead looking to Jesus Christ for love. The world today says that's everything. Lust the flesh, lust the eyes, and pride of life. If you don't have that, you lost it all. We say the opposite. We say if you don't have the love of the Father, you have nothing. These are the things that the world lives for. But when you live for the world as a Christian, you lose absolutely everything. This is what happened to Lot. What did he do? He went out there and he saw the well-watered plains. Right? He saw the social activity. He saw the attitudes of the people over there in Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, boy, I want to be a part of that. And so what did he do? The Bible says he pitched his tents towards what? Sodom. Now listen, Christian. You have a great opportunity here to say, you know what? Which way am I turning? You can go ahead and keep heading down that path. Maybe there have not been some decisions in your life lately that's saying I'm pointing towards God or the things of God. I'm still pointing my indicators towards the things of this world. It's time to, again, turn the right direction. My third test here, because I'm out of time, it's a test of truth. We find this in 18 through 29. For sake of time, I won't read the whole thing. But this is basically talking about those that have left the church because they had been 
under the wrong doctrine. You find in 1 John 2, verse 19, it says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they may be manifest, that they were not all of us. One of the biggest indicators I see when people leave my church, if, and for any reason, do they continue to go to church? It's funny, when you, or it's interesting, I should say, when someone leaves your church and they never go back. There's a problem. Maybe it was my fault, maybe it's something I did, but either way, even in my stupidity or my humanity and the mistakes that I've made, nothing should stop me from serving God. Nothing. I should always go back to where God wants you to be. Find a good church. Stay a part of it. Love God. Listen, put that person behind you. Say, I need to do what God wants me to do. I don't care what they think or what they say. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. So we find here in 1 John chapter 2, not only were they... Uh, with, without fellowship the truth they denied that Jesus Christ the son of God in the flesh Number uh, verse 26 it says they tried to seduce believers these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you and listen there's a whole bunch of folks out there that are trying to do that as I mentioned already on the internet and then also this is where the Holy Spirit comes in 1 John chapter 2 verse 27 says but that anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you and ye need not any man teach you but as the same anointing teach you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it taught you, that ye shall abide in him. When you live in the Spirit of God, if I get up here and start preaching away, and I don't know, make something really silly, God says you shouldn't wear a green suit. Oh, I, I got a better one. God says silver ties are unrighteous. Tony's like, oh, he's got a The great thing is, I could say that all day long, but if Tony is here is saved, and he loves God, guess what's going to teach him differently? The Holy Spirit, right? He's not saying here that you don't need preachers and pastors and evangelists. The Bible tells us that those are the gifts given to the church. But he gives you those to help you understand that you have the Holy Spirit to teach you and guide you and direct you. I always amazed and my father grew up as I've told some of you in Paxton, Illinois he was going to a Lutheran church did not know anything about the gospel until a man at Kraft Foods witnessed to him and gave him the gospel my dad got saved went to the Lutheran, started getting his Bible, started reading his Bible went to the Lutheran church, realized hey, baptizing babies is not a part of salvation the Lutheran priest cursed at it. So my dad looked for another church. He went to the Church of Christ. Church of Christ believes that you need to be baptized in order to, to be saved. No. The Bible says faith is faith alone. Had the preacher come over, he spent three hours talking to him about it. Realized that wasn't the right church. Finally, he got into the Baptist church and realized, wait a minute. They do got the right. They do teach the gospel. Now, how did my dad get to that understanding? The Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And listen, every believer in here has that same remedy. Don't listen to me because I just have flowery speeches, which you know that's not true. Listen to me because the Holy Spirit says that is correct. Right? 
That is correct. Men will always lead you astray, but the Holy Spirit won't. Let's stand together. We're going to have a short invitation. God spoke to your heart. Maybe you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Listen, I went a little long today, but I hope you were encouraged. Let's not be a liar. Let's remember our new family. And let's not let the, the people of this world seduce us into the wrong type of thought. If God spoke to your heart today, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you, please. You say, Pastor, I'd like to know. What do you want me to do? Come. You say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I'll show you today how you can know for sure. You don't have to have a hope-so salvation. You can have a no-so salvation. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's not me. I'm saved. I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, but I've been lying. I've been lying about my sin. Listen, this, this altar is open for you. You don't even have to come here. I encourage you to, but you don't have to come here. You can sit there at your seat and deal with your sin. God knows. Just make a commitment. Start serving Him. Put it behind you. Start loving Him today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just please bless this invitation. I ask you, Heavenly Father, that you would just give us grace to live according to, uh, to you and your righteousness, not our own. God spoke to your heart. services that he's blessing this week. I also ask you, Heavenly Father, if there's someone here who doesn't know Christ, Lord, please, I pray that you give them no rest, no peace.